First Corinthians 1, 4 through 9. I always thank my God for being you. Sorry. I always thank, thank my God for you because of his grace given in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, do, you do not lack any spiritual gifts as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Morning. It's great to see everybody. Um, there was, uh, my family uh, participated in something I wanted to tell you about. Uh, there's been some mention of it, but Dan and Tisha Staley organized the crew from here that went to uh, what's called Selfless, a time that is uh, dedicated to get the Bible camp ready for uh, the camp season this summer. And we, uh, we went down with, uh, there was, uh, from, from here, I think there was 12 teenagers, and they're, they're still gone. They're worshiping in Livingston this morning and participating there. But it's amazing how, um, how much work is done in such a short time by the kids that were there. Um, and, and it prepares things for, for work camp, which happens two weeks from now. And anybody who would like to participate in that, if you got your, you can put your blue collar skills to work during that time, uh, getting the camp ready. There's about 1,600 people usually use the camp during the summertime to get spiritual nourishment and strength to be able to, to launch into this next year. And it was, we've got a lot to be proud of with the kids that, uh, that are from here, from the church here that participated. I was quite impressed with the amount of work they put into things. And, uh, there is, um, no boys can clean regardless of what, what some may, may say. I saw teenage boys cleaning and actually putting a lot of heart into it. So if, if your kids are there, uh, don't let them fool you when you get back. Uh, put that to good use because it is there. Yeah, yeah, I know I blew it. I tattled on all of them, right? I, I let the cat out of the bag. But amazing time. And that's just one of those things. And there's a lot of things that uh, the people in the church here that do on a regular basis in order to honor God. And, and, and I can't mention anywhere near all of them, but this is one that I just saw that I got to observe and, and see all the amazing things that were happening with young people. So that's, a, that's something that we, we get to, uh, being so close to the camp, we get to, to provide some blessing there. Okay, we're going to be in First, in First Samuel one and two, and today is Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day! This is a, a wonderful day that we get to thank our moms, and not only our, our physical moms or biological moms. Hopefully, we can thank the spiritual mothers in our lives that have helped uh, guide us spiritually. I can think back uh, of, of several different ladies uh, in my life when I was growing up. At times. Uh, taught Bible classes or were the ones that were not going to allow me to just do whatever I wanted and make sure that some, that, that as far as it depended on them, spirituality was going to be a part of my life. And it's amazing when I go back to my hometown or you know, some of them are different places around the world now, but it's really neat to, to just see those people and see those ladies that have provided so much for me spiritually. And so I think if, for us, if we can broaden it just beyond our biological moms, but those, those ladies who have been a tremendous influence for us spiritually, and go out of our way to say thank you to them today. That's always a, a great blessing. We're going to look today at um, a, a character that we see in Scripture that is um, it's a, a great example for all of us, a lady named Hannah. Um, she's known um, more important, or she's known as being uh, um, 
Samuel's mother more than anything else. But we see that from, from the get-go, this is a lady of faith, and uh, she, her life really touched me and impacted me this week, and so I want to share some of the things that, that I learned from her. So we're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 1 and 2 is where we see her story. And um, what's happened is, is Hannah is a lady, she's an Israelite, and she comes, uh, she lives up in, in northern Israel. And every year, her and her husband, her husband's name is Elkanah, and they would make a trip down to Jerusalem, they would sacrifice, they would eat the sacrifice, which is part of that sacrifice that was given to God, and they would worship God and honor Him. Uh, sounds like it was a pretty happy time, or supposed to be a pretty happy time. But look at verse 3, and we'll continue on here. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Now, this is before the temple was ever built. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of meat to his wife, Peninnah, and also to her sons and daughters. But Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. Okay, tough situation here Hannah finds herself in. is is she is um, married to a man, but as was the custom at this point in time, and something that God or Jesus did away with when he came, is oftentimes men would have multiple wives. Now there is, um, I know that I had a, a missionary friend, or professor actually, that spent 18 years in the, the backwoods of Botswana. And he said, there is not a situation that I can imagine more unpleasant than when when men take many wives, because it is terrible. There, there is, it, it breeds all sorts of jealousy and all sorts of stuff that, that happens within those tribal people. And when people would become Christians after a time in those contexts, he had several men say to him, I wish that I only had one wife. That would be, I can see why God has said that that's the way things should be. And so you can see what's going to happen here is, is um, this situation has is, is bred some conflict. Verse 6, because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she, would, she wept and would not eat. Okay, tough situation that both of these ladies find themselves in. But her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Okay, we've got a really tough, tough situation. You can see the tough part of this situation here. Okay, something that Elkanah does here that this always impacts me whenever I read his phrase right here is he does something that is very typically male in this situation. He takes a, 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 something that Hannah is very distressed about that he can really do very little about and he tries to fix it. Okay, can you relate to that, fellas? Okay. Have you had sit? No, not at all, Carrie. Carrie's never done that. I want to ask her about this later. See how? Yeah, that's right. Not anymore. You've you've been taught. Okay. He takes a situation that's very difficult and he just tries to fix it. And he says, "Aren't I worth more than ten sons to you?" Now, I don't know if there's something cultural that is different here, but I know that whenever I've tried something like that with my wife, and said, "Boy, Sylvia, you know, I know that you." would like that sweater, but aren't I worth more than ten sweaters to you? That doesn't go very well. And when there's heartache uh, in her life, when I approach her and say, aren't I worth more than ten of whatever that is, uh, I, that doesn't bring her comfort very much. And we see in this situation is that Hannah is not comforted by her husband's words. She's comforted in other ways, and we'll get to that. 
But fellas, just as a, as a note to remember in this, is that we can't always fix heartache that happens in our wives' lives. And usually when we say, aren't I worth ten of whatever that is, it's not going to work, okay? Just, that's, that's, that's just a side note here, but that's one to remember here. Verse 9, once when they had finished eating and drinking at Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly, as she made a vow, and she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Now, Eli was a religious leader that was there. Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. And Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. And she said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. You see, it wasn't Elkanah's reminder of how important he was to her, but it was when she went to God and submitted herself to him that her face was no longer downcast. And we see what happens after that as Hannah goes home. She conceives and gives birth to a little boy named Samuel. And Samuel is going to be, oh man, he's going to be something. Because he's going to be a leader that, that does, does things in Israel that nobody has done for a while. And he, we've talked about him here this last year. As he travels around and he teaches people. You don't see that a whole lot with some of these, the, the people, the religious leaders of Israel. But Samuel does. As he goes around every year and he teaches people the word of the Lord so that they can understand that. So not only did people... Not, the ones that couldn't travel to the tabernacle or couldn't travel to see priests, he made his way around and he, he taught people. Amazing, amazing person. But Hannah here, she is, this, this prayer is answered. She's able to have a son. And she uh, has many other children as well that we see. But one of the things that she does, if you skip down to verse 21, it says, When her husband Elkanah went up with his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, After the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. Do what seems best to you, her husband Elkanah told her. Stay here until I have weaned him, until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. After she was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli. And she said to him, Pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. And we see what happens as Hannah uh, leaves Eli there or excuse me, leave Samuel there in the, in the care of Eli. And Samuel grows up, and every year that when Hannah would come back, she would bring him a new garment or new coat that was a different, a bigger size. And so Samuel was taken care of, but he grew up in the presence of the Lord there where, where the worship of the Lord happened. There's a whole lot we can gain from this. But one thing I think about is that Hannah, 
had some, some real heartaches or some real struggles, if we can say it that way. Look at some of these hardships here. She had no children. Okay, that was tough for, for her in that era and for, for, I think for ladies probably in any era, is that Hannah, in her situation, now that was one of the ways that she could bring blessings to the family. And if she was not able to have children and her husband's other spouse was able to have children, imagine the heartache that that would bring into your life. Imagine no matter how much your, love, your husband loved you, even if he was better than ten children, it still hurts. And so Hannah finds herself in this situation. Hannah also finds herself in conflict with this other spouse. And I couldn't help but thinking throughout this week as I was pondering this uh, this situation and how uh, I, I can't I just can't imagine being being in a in a situation that Hannah is in. But I think if we if we think a little bit, um, is that there is God has created us to be married and and to be married for life. That's how things are supposed to function. But there is uh, as as we see here with with Hannah's situation. This is a situation that, that created heartache that was, that, was, that was not what God anticipated. Now, God didn't anticipate. You see that in, in the creation, um, that Adam and Eve were, were there created together. And so what, what I thought about is that there's, I'm sure there's, there's, in fact, I've been told by moms on different occasions in different ways saying, you know, I've, I've got... Um, I'm, I just don't have the traditional family, I guess, if you want to call it that way. And I feel like I've, I'm missing something as a mom because of that. And I encourage you to look back at, at Hannah's situation. As Hannah finds herself in a situation where she is sharing her husband with, an, with another, another woman, a really, really bizarre situation for us. But Hannah did not allow whatever her circumstance was to come between her and God. And what she did is she took this situation and said, I approach God and I can't, I'm not going to, to fight. I'm not going to, to be ugly and nasty. We don't have record of that happening towards, towards her husband's other spouse. But she's, she says, I'm going to, I'm going to be faithful and, and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to hurt. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to approach God in prayer. I'm going to do something different. We see also that Hannah is wrongly criticized by a spiritual leader. Just imagine how painful this could have been for her. Is that she goes to, to the entrance of as far as she could go into the temple, and Eli is sitting there on a chair, and this great spiritual leader that she would have known who he was, and she goes there and she's nearby him, and she is so distraught that she, she gets down and she's praying, and she can't even, the words can't even come out of her mouth. And Eli says, What are you drunk, lady? What's going on? Man, you can imagine what could have happened with Anna there. Is how, how painful, how hurtful that was. How she could have got up and said, boy, if this is the kind of spirituality that exists around this place, I am gone and I'm, I'm going to disappear. You look at any of these number of things that are here. Hannah not having children or conflict with her husband's other spouse, wrongly criticized by a spiritual leader and even a husband that is trying to fix the problem instead of maybe walk beside his wife through the process. Hannah is one who is ripe to become bitter in life. You look at her life situation. Can you see how she could become bitter? Yeah, I can see that. I read through that and I thought, boy, Hannah could be one that, that could, could blame her, her husband, could blame her, her husband's other spouse, could blame Eli, could blame God for all sorts of things that are just not going great in her life. But she doesn't do that. And I think Hannah has some qualities that I saw 
and help us understand why she was able to go a completely different direction and be such a tremendous example for all of us. Hannah demonstrated uh, humility. And I wonder, with, with Hannah, in the way that she approached God with great humility, and, and not, not approaching God in anger and frustration, although God can understand that, and he gets that, and he can take it. But she approached God out of this great frustration and humbles herself there. And I have to ask the question, how did Hannah develop this type of humility? And when we go back again and look at Hannah's life, she has some real hardships, as we, we looked at. And hardships have a tendency to either make or break us. Hardships can make us bitter. Hardships can, can uh, cause our hearts to, to lash out towards people and lash out towards God. Or hardships can break us down and put us in a spot where our, our spirits and our hearts are humbled before God. And that's something we see with Hannah here, is that Hannah's heart becomes humble before God and so that, that she approaches God with a heart that, that God is going to answer and he's going to respond to. Boy, that's not, that's not any different for us, is it? I believe that uh, Hannah would have probably given her way, would have loved for her life to have been different up to this point in time, to the time that she goes and, and prays to Eli that she would have already had six children or, or however many, that her life could have been much easier, could have been much smoother, all of that. But there's something about hardship that tends again, to break us down and to make us into people that God wants us to be. And here we have this great example of Hannah, is that using these hardships that she's had through life, through the different, different heartaches, and boy, I know as a mom and as a dad, we face those hardships and those heartaches at different times because things just don't seem to pan out like we want and anticipate oftentimes. And Hannah used those heartaches in order to create something beautiful out of it. Her heart became something inside that was humble enough to be able to submit herself to God and, and say, God, you know, just, just listen to my prayer. Now, what, a, what a, a beautiful way of taking hardship and making it into something that is wonderful. We see also from Hannah's story is that Hannah uh, had a great quality of being someone who is prayerful. We see that she was, uh, she was very spiritual and that she, uh, with her husband, went down and worshipped every year, and that was... Uh, honoring God with those sacrifices is a huge part of her life. And so Hannah, you know, as, as we, we see so many times, like Paul talks about in the New Testament in Philippians chapter 4, and I go back to this a lot, we can, when, instead of being anxious, we learn to be prayerful and thankful. And Hannah, long before Paul ever walked the earth or the Holy Spirit ever re- revealed that to her or to him, she understood this. And instead of becoming anxious or, or, be, or letting that anxiety, we can say it this way, anxiety control her and, and determine what she was going to do, she went to God in prayer. And boy, God answered her in a powerful way, didn't he? He gave her a son, but he gave her, as the text says, many other children after this. And as they would come back, uh, she got to um, introduce her, the other siblings to Samuel as he was growing up being dedicated to the Lord. And boy, isn't that something that's important for us as, speaking to moms, but also us as, as fathers, any, anybody, is to be people that, um, that make sure we are dedicated to prayer in our life every day. I know that I've been more convicted about that lately, as we talked about last week, being a community of the Holy Spirit. That's, there's a part of that, is, is being people of prayer. Knowing that we are working together 
with God to change the future to look more like what he wants it to be. So his kingdom continues to expand and advance. And Hannah must have understood that somewhere. She must have understood that God was powerful enough to answer her prayer in her lowly situation, whatever that may be, and God did answer it. And, boy, I don't want to ever be someone who, who goes through life and, and gets the, the end of life some point in time, and I go to be with God, and, and I don't know if this would happen or how this, this happens when we go to be with God, but just play along with me here for just a second. And that some, somehow in that, that opportunity to go to be with God and live with Him forever, I understand that there could have been so many more good things that could have happened around me if I would have just stopped to pray. That, that's convicting for me to think about. And I wonder if Hannah, if she would have just said, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to pray for this, I'm just going to go on in life, and I'm just not going to, I'm not going to, I'm just mad. She would have missed the opportunity, Israel would have missed the opportunity to be blessed by Samuel. Now God has his ways, and God, God produces uh, you know, other people that would, stand, that would step up and, and fulfill those roles. But, boy, for me, this is a, a great, uh, great thing for me to think about is that Hannah was a, a great person of prayer. And I know that I saw from my own, my own mother, uh, she is very much a person of prayer. And I saw that, that blossom and, and come to fruition in her life. Um, great thing that we can l- learn from Hannah. Another of Hannah's qualities is, is that she was a person of faith. As she came to Eli, or she came to God, she prayed, God gave her Samuel, and as a response of that faith, she brought Samuel to the, to the tabernacle and to Eli's care and said, my son is going to grow up here because I want him to be dedicated to the Lord. Now, there is a, we don't have a, a tabernacle that we travel to or a temple that we travel to somewhere. But what all of us can do is, is dedicate ourselves to God and dedicate our children to God in whatever way we can. Uh, and we can do that every day of our lives. And so as I look at, at this great example of, of Hannah, I, I hope that all of us can find encouragement. That Hannah may not have been one who was polished. She may not have have tremendous amount of giftedness. She may have not had advanced degrees. Well, she definitely wouldn't have in her context. Um, she would have been in. A, she may have not had a, a whole lot to. Uh, uh, to expect out of life as far as good things that are happening. But what you see from her is that no matter the circumstances, she demonstrated a great humility, a great time, a great desire to be prayerful, and a great desire to be faithful. And God can take something like that, just that, just those qualities that we step out in faith with him and make it into something great and wonderful. That is, uh, boy, that gives me some courage. And that gives me some uh, some confidence that, boy, God, is, uh, God can do great things through all of us. And for all of you moms that are here, boy, my prayers and my respect and uh, sure go with you. Um, because God has, has created you to do great things. And the role that you have, no one else on the face of the earth can fulfill the role that you have for your family. And um, just thank you for, for all that you do and thanks for all the blessings that, uh, that you bring about too to uh, your families, your children, and to all the rest of us. We're going to do uh, something a little different here, as tradition in the church here, to honor the mothers. And so um, you guys are going to be passing out the, the gifts to the moms. Go ahead and do that. And then after those gifts are passed out, um, well, Dan, do you want to make an announcement, Dan, or are you just going to pass them? See, Dan loves the microphone. He loves to get up here and talk. 
right? We all love the moms and we're passing these out. Good. Yep, Dan is very succinct and that just gets to the point. Awesome. Very good. That's it. Okay, so these will be passed out. After uh, these gifts are passed out, then um, if you'd like to, uh, prayers of the church, you're welcome to come forward or you can go to the back um, and, and Lee will lead us in a song uh, after, after these gifts are passed out. Again, moms, thanks for all you do and uh, thanks for being a great blessing.